Hello again, all my gorgeous listeners, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Glow West podcast. We're here to chat all about the delights of sex, sexuality, and the body. I'm your host, Dr. Caroline West, and I'm always delighted to be part of the Tortoise Shack Network, where you can find tons of content on politics, culture, society, and of course, sex. If you like what we do, please do consider supporting us at patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack as it does help to keep the mics on. Or if you can, please pop over to Apple and rate and review. If you want to get in touch for the podcast, the Instagram and Twitter is at Glow West Podcast. So today we are talking about the rise in awareness of incels, which is a very particular kind of subgroup of people. Um, And maybe some people heard some myths and stereotypes about them, but they don't quite know what really goes on in the world of an incel. So joining me today is an expert in this area. Dr. Debbie Ging is Associate Professor of Media Studies in the School of Communications in DCU. And she's also a researcher in FUJO, which is the Institute for Future Media Democracy and Society. Her research is concerned with gender and social media, focusing in particular on online misogyny, the manosphere, incels, and the radicalization of young men into online male supremacy groups. And she's also a member of the National Anti-Bullying Research and Resource Centre in DCU. Debbie, how are you keeping today? Hi, Caroline. I'm good, thanks. And thanks for having me on. No worries at all. This is um, a niche area, I suppose, in in masculinity studies. Thankfully, um, it's not as widespread as we might be afraid of. Um, I suppose let's start with, like, how did you get interested in this particular area? Well, I started researching... Uh, anti-feminist men's rights groups and and kind of the broader men's movement uh, a long time ago. Um, My research has always been kind of centrally concerned with masculinity and media. So that's migrated from more traditional forms of media uh, onto social media. So looking kind of specifically at the men's movement and then more specifically the kind of anti-feminist factions of the men's movement, which has become you know, the greater part of it, the kind of pro-feminist strands have have fallen into obscurity um, over the years. I started following um, the men's movement online, basically, and started tracking its migration uh, and transformation as it went first onto Web 1.0, and then more importantly, um, onto web 2.0 and, and social media and you saw this really really huge kind of transformation of uh, not just the kind of concerns that, that men's rights movements in the anglophone world um, had but also their their kind of mode of, of communication with one another but also their mode of, of communicating their ideas um, to, to the um, wider public changed really considerably. Okay, okay. So for those who don't know, what is an incel? So incels are, uh, the, the word stands for involuntary celibate. Uh, so they are a, a community or, or a network of, of men who um, are sexually unsuccessful. So they don't uh, have successful relationships with women. They don't have sex with women. And in some cases, in some cases, that's sex to which they believe they're entitled to have. In other cases, it's it's sex that they desire but but don't get. In most cases, though, there is this very very strong sense of entitlement, uh, unfairness, injustice, uh, etc. So, incels are a subgroup of the broader manosphere, which is a much much bigger network of um, disparate groups that are united in their uh, antipathy towards feminism and other kind of social justice uh, movements. Okay, okay. So there's a lot of emphasis on like being frustrated virgins or just frustrated inexperienced nature around sexuality as well. And where, where does the, the whole feeling of entitlement to sex come from? Yeah, I mean, this is this kind of goes back to their, one of their core, they have a very kind of niche uh, vocabulary and a lot of that is rooted in underlying um, belief systems that they have and one of those kind of um, core belief systems is uh, 
evolutionary psychology. So they rely really heavily on the idea that uh, sexual attraction is kind of preordained by uh, genetics, by biology. Sexual attraction is determined kind of solely by genetic um, factors and physical attributes. Because of this, they see everything is kind of genetically predestined in the sense that there's a hierarchy of looks. It's all about how you look and your physical attributes, your personality, intelligence, other factors in sexual attraction don't come into it. It's all about, you know, kind of uh, the strongest, the fittest, etc. Um, so you have at the top of the pyramid, if you like, alpha males, then you have betas or, or, or normies after that. And then at the very bottom of the heap, you have incels. So they see themselves as losers in the genetic lottery, effectively. And so some of them try to improve their looks and, and, their, and their physiques uh, in a bid to ascend. They call, they call it ascending, um, which is becoming sexually successful and kind of rising up out of the ranks of incel into, into the better category. And others are simply resigned to their fate that they will never ever be able to attract women because they have kind of lost out in the genetic lottery. And so um, the sense of, of, I suppose, entitlement comes from a deep sense of injustice, uh, that this is, is incredibly unfair. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's paradoxical because they also see this as, as kind of biologically preordained. Okay, and that's hard to fight with something that you believe is in your genetics and, and um, to blame for that. But I know you do work around as well. They have the idea of the Chad. So talk to us about this super chiseled Chad person that is like so idealistic that most people can't live up to this. Yeah, I mean, all of a, a lot of these are, are kind of um, archetypes um they're you know they're mythical figures because they're not, they're not really based in reality um so the, the chad is the kind of ideal alpha male um who and and they also believe that only 20 percent of males on the planet are alpha males so there's a shortage of alpha males and um the female equivalent of the Chad is the Stacy. So these are sexually successful, attractive, sexually active uh, people. Um, but all women, according to incel ideology, and this is, you know, kind of derived from evolutionary psychology, um, all women aspire to have sex with and couple with the Chad or the alpha because they want to um, improve you know, or, or maximize the genetic chances of their offspring. So this is called hypergamy, this idea of kind of constantly trying to monkey branch up. And um, so chads are in, um, you know, kind of high demand and that therefore they can have all the sex that they want, um, basically. Um, but if there aren't enough to go around, so Stacey's will, if they can't get a chad, uh, will settle for beta males in order to, according to um, Manosphere, ideology you know in order to pay the bills and father their kids who may you know in the figment of their imagination a lot of the the idea is that the, the kids have been conceived uh through sex with alphas but they end up you know marrying bettas and the bettas are kind of you know they're referred to as dick stands and there's all kinds of terminology to describe them so this is this idea of alpha alpha fox better books um, so they want to have sex with and get impregnated by alpha males, but they will settle for beta males to, you know, financially support them. Okay, that's a complicated kind of imaginary thing. I mean, where did the numbers even come from? How did they decide twenty percent is the the gold standard for alpha males? I mean, already evolution, evolutionary psychology as a as a kind of a, a science is, is heavily disputed and extremely problematic and it has been dissected and uh, you know most of it has been discredited I think very very successfully by uh, sociologists um, so already it, it's a problematic set of theories but I think a lot of what the manosphere and what incels have done is kind of take aspects of it and it's quite half-baked it's quite superficial so yeah i don't know where where they even get these um percentages from i mean 
very, very little of, of, of these theories are based in any kind of empirical experience. It's, you know, I think if you're, you're spending most of your time arguing with other people online and downloading articles, your, uh, I think your perception of reality is primarily determined by this stuff that you're reading, by these conversations that you're having, not by what you see when you go out your front door, which is probably, you know, rare enough. I mean, you're kind of confined to a very small, limited kind of social circle. And that's like, you can understand why someone would be kind of bitter and have a very sad life if you're just staying in and you're surrounded by this content that is validating this ideology that you have in your head or you're in communities so they like to be in communities with each other and that's obviously problematic because that validates you know it's like the anti-vax community sometimes you know if you have someone there telling you that you're right well then of course you know you're going to believe that so how does the community work how does that aspect of things how do you even find an incel community uh, well, I mean, it's a classic, as you say, it's it's a classic echo chamber. It functions very much like a cult. Um, and because you have, you know, insiders and outsiders, uh, number one, but also because your your concept of the outside world is that the outside world, the normies, um, etc., are deluded. So they, they've taken the blue pill, you've taken the red pill or the black pill. So you're kind of awoken to the gynocentric, feminist, liberal conspiracy that is is that outside world. And so already you have this kind of cultic logic operating and, and that's then amplified and facilitated by the technological affordances of social media, you know, which is, is sustaining and, and um, strengthening, consolidating that kind of echo chamber effect. Um, so yeah, in terms of where where they where they hang out, I mean, incels.is is the kind of central uh, hangout. Um, it's quite. It used to be more extreme. Uh, it, I think it's become quite. It's become less kind of violent. There's less kind of extreme content uh, on that forum uh, than there used to be, and I think that also shows us that certain more extreme factions of the incel community have migrated onto the dark web uh, you know because that forum is is often shut down or, or their reddits and subreddits have been successively shut down over the years and so there's there's a lot of migration there's a lot of movement into maybe more obscure okay. spaces so you know, moving, yeah. it is a bit worrying yeah they're moving to to more uh, cryptic spaces like discord and parley or parley and gag and you know these kinds of sites instead um initially there would have been a strong presence on 4chan as well and you know there's still a lot of insult content there um but most of the subreddits have been over the over the last kind of five years shut down um so that yeah it's it's constantly kind of moving yeah, and they're, they're using even, you know, again, like platforms like that, but they're also using things like memes, whereas most of us share memes for hopefully a bit more positive stuff, but memes about the red pills and stuff like that. So they don't necessarily have to be reading these very academic articles or, um, well, pseudo-academic articles, I suppose, and but they can use these little cartoons and memes to communicate and find families and, and friends that way, which is a bit scary as well, considering how fast a meme can travel. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I'm I'm not sure how much this relates to. Yeah, I mean, it does relate to the incel community. There, there is a, it's a highly kind of um, tech savvy, you know, visual um, community um, that does kind of communicate using a lot of it's you know these kind of shorthand uh, images and and vocabularies that make a lot of sense within the community uh, don't make a lot of sense if you're kind of not immersed in in their lexicon and in what those imageries uh, mean. I think on the kind of more mainstream end of the man of the broadest man broader manosphere you're going to get um, a lot of this stuff in you know kind of anti-feminist uh, memes 
uh, A Voice for Men, for example, the mainstream uh, American men's rights organization, um, uses a lot of memes to try and you know, explain these kinds of concepts that women are narcissistic gold diggers and that, you, you know, a kind of a warning to men to go their own way and to, to, avoid, uh, to avoid this kind of trap uh, etc. So memes are, are absolutely a kind of a key way, I think, of um, because it's it's often humorous as well, uh, or, or often it's kind of venting. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of anger in a lot of those memes as well, and so that might appeal to somebody who's feeling a bit kind of uh, disenfranchised or or um, a bit kind of disentitled about you know the the way the world is it could be for loads of other reasons and usually it's to do with you know <laughs> the economy um but it's very easy then to target specific groups for you know to, to kind of uh, to vent yeah absolutely um yeah and, then and to turn that a lot, a lot of this kind of within the incel community there's a huge amount of self-loathing so you know it's it's way it's finding ways to i suppose um turn that self-loathing outward on, onto other groups as well um but yeah i mean that kind of communication is is very common and there's there's something about the language in that as well like is incel a good term for them are they pleased to be described as incels or do they resent that terminology even then or is it you know, you know what's the relationship with that word they use the the term all the time so they're a lot of their um you know, their pseudonyms or whatever, or their handles, their avatars uh, have cell at the end. So, you know, they'll, depending, it could be, it's a kind of a, a combination of, you know, uh, your identity as maybe neuroatypical. So many of them identify, self-identify as neuroatypical. So you'll see them calling themselves Asperger cell for example, or uh, it could be, you know, the, the city or the country that they're from or something, and that would be okay. the, the prefix and then cell is the, is the suffix. So that's really, you know, kind of a standard way of, of uh, self-description okay. on the forum. So they sometimes refer to themselves as inkwells as well, as a kind of a, you know, a variation of, of incel. But yeah, I mean, it's not their own term. Um, I mean, the term originated in the 90s by, uh, it was actually uh, coined by a woman um, and it was, you know, completely detached from any sense of anti-feminism or or, uh, anti-woman sentiment. It was just, you know, a kind of an online group of of people who were sexually kind of unsuccessful, a sense of community, uh, you know, very gender inclusive, uh, etc. But it's, it's since been kind of completely monopolized by by straight men okay okay and then then I suppose if, if they're you know in that world and, and community and they're identifying like this you know I went to one of your talks before and you were talking about like this celebrity incel and people have YouTube videos and, and they're sharing their identity and it seems was it one where they they were acting out asking someone to a dance or something like this um I forget the guy's name but like there's some and like it's just their whole world like and people look up to them and they have their subscribers and it, it feels like just a very niche corner of celebrity aspect of things. Yeah, well, I mean, what you get on YouTube is more kind of gateway stuff, I suppose. Um, you have, you know, these people like uh, Sargon of Arkad. Uh, Carl Benjamin is his name and he's associated with the alt-right in the UK for example but he was also involved in Gamergate um, he made a game called Beat Up Anita Sarkeesian where you actually play online and you get to beat her up etc this kind of stuff so there's a really interesting kind of overlap there as well between the alt-right and um, and and the, and the incel community and the broader manosphere um, as well. So you've got a lot of this kind of content, even, you know, uh, and I say this version commas, kind of reputable academic um, individuals like Jordan Peterson, for example, you know, massive YouTube following. And these ideas become legitimated, these ideas derived from evolutionary science, 
become kind of legitimated through those kinds of quite high profile uh, YouTubers. Uh, but the actual, you know, the vast majority, I suppose, of the incel community are quite introverted and don't necessarily put an awful lot of content out. They will, will spend most of their time just kind of communicating and arguing with one another, okay. um, but, yeah. but may have been drawn in and certainly will refer to a lot of these uh, as they see very kind of reputable um, sources for, you know, inspiration yeah. for, for for backup of, of their ideas it's yeah it's it's wild you know like the power of, of the internet and stuff for for reaching these kind of very isolated people um it also makes me quite scared to think of um their interactions with sex workers because if they're so bitter about women and then bitter about the fact that they again everybody quotes like have to pay for it that seems like that's especially demeaning for someone who has this worldview of that they're, they're, they're entitled to sex, but if they're not getting it and they have to buy it, it's an extra bitterness. So are there relations to violence against sex workers specifically in, in these kind of communities? There's a lot of violent ideation. So there's a lot of really extreme discourse on incel uh, forums. Um, you know, kind of fantasies about rape, revenge, violence, etc. Um, is are these men actually violent? Or are they likely to act out any you know any of this violence? They're highly unlikely, but as we know, it happens every now and then. So it's a kind of a form of stochastic terrorism in that it's statistically predictable but it's individually unpredictable. So we know that, you know, it will happen, that there will be a number of attacks in the coming year, but it's impossible to tell who will perpetrate those attacks, where it will come from, because it's not organized uh, in any way. It's just kind of a, 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 an individual acting out, uh, you know, and there's a whole pile of factors, obviously, that, that provoke that, um, tr you know, that, that kind of, transmission from ideation to, to reality. Um, by and large, most incels don't have much contact with women, not even, I mean, even online. Um, there's not a huge amount of contact. They, they tend to be very, very, very uh, socially isolated, very introverted. So they communicate mostly with one another. But that said, um, there is a there's a you know huge resentment towards sex workers. There's this huge resentment towards uh, very conflicted and kind of paradoxical relationship with pornography as well. And a really good example of, of that would be the um, what was called a thought audit. I think it was in 2018. Oh, yeah, actually, you remember yeah, that the revenge against sex workers reporting yeah, them for taxes, reporting them to to the inland revenue in the states. Um, so Roosh V, the, the pickup artist, um, you know, who's also been heavily involved in, in lots of, in Gamergate and in, in, in loads of aspects of, of, um, of, of the Manosphere and anti-feminist men's rights. He was really uh, centrally involved in that campaign. And that was about reporting, yeah, reporting sex workers to the Inland Revenue for not, you're not paying uh, taxes on their, I think it was a lot of content like, only fans type mm. forums you know yeah yeah and, and this this uh, idea that you can you know go after them in a kind of a concerted attack so there there, there are things you know there are um initiatives like that and uh, that are kind of technologically facilitated attacks and that's you know that's where they will directly influence uh women's lives now how many women were reported in in that attack i don't know if, I, I don't think it was particularly successful because uh, actually reporting somebody to the inland revenue in the states is massively complex i can imagine <laughs> yeah they like their paperwork and yeah, bureaucracy exactly yeah so i'm not really sure it was that successful but that's the kind yeah. of thing that's that's when that that is when they will become animated to you know to act and to have a very direct impact potentially on, on women's lives through those kinds of things like doxing, you know, publishing people's um, yeah. uh, personal details online and trying to create any kind of a swarm or an attack uh, on somebody. But I think mostly for the most part, 
they're not really having much contact with with women okay which and is obviously the problem in the first place. yeah yeah it's kind of a vicious circle of, of, yeah. of both but then for a lot of people who spend time on their own a lot of them will masturbate well also masturbation is good happens in relationships and everything else but if you're lonely and you're not having sexual intercourse with other humans a lot of people masturbate to kind of fill that gap so to speak but incels have a complicated relationship with masturbation and they're also involved in movements such as the no fat movement which is not masturbating during the month of november um talk me through that aspect because it just seems like again a complicated relationship with sexual pleasure yeah i mean the the no there's presumably considerable overlap there i guess with the with the no fappers but the no fappers are also associated with the proud boys you know who'd be much more kind of uh out there i suppose in terms of being you know politically overtly politically motivated and and uh, kind of organized um so the the logic behind no masturbation is to preserve your energy uh you know it's all this kind of mythical it's a bit like you know don't masturbate before you have a big uh, football match or something or a big sporting event the next day it's this idea of preserving male energy um and not being weakened and then there's this really weird overlap with alt-right conspiracy theories that pornography is a you know is a jewish conspiracy to emasculate white western men um you know and and the idea as well is that is that this kind of you know women are are, are part of that um like it's some kind of deliberate conspiracy to weaken western men uh, so that you know, you see the racism yeah, and the, yeah. the great replacement theories seeping in very often, and that's really where you get this intersection between a lot of manosphere and incel ideology and the alt right. Is this idea that Western men are being weakened or are being emasculated uh, by feminism, by liberalism, by social justice movements, by pornography, whatever, uh, and and then stronger races you know and i'm saying all this in inverted commas uh will come in and take you know take the place of 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 western men and it's a kind of a broader narrative of the decline of western civilization which is again where it overlaps with a lot of fascist ideology yeah yeah Yeah. but it's often about sex you know it's, it's played out through this trope of of the cock uh of being a cock of being a beta of being you know, a weaker male. Um, so it's very, very complex because that's all. A, it also, as we know, a kind of a fantasy uh, in in porn, yeah, um, and which a is huge racialized. Area. Like that's yeah. like cuckold porn is like so popular. And is it like are these people being hypocritical and watching that as well, or is that like yeah? It's, it's I, hard to tell. Yeah, <laughs> it is hard to tell. But like, if you go on four chan. Uh, you know the the kind of the more extreme channels like uh, Paul and B or whatever. You see the these uh, gifs of of porn at the top of those um, channels of those chans, and a lot of it is that kind of uh, you know cuckold porn, which is also very often racialized. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah. those narratives are kind of embedded in there, uh, and yet you could have a thread, you know, where that's characterized by no fap and pornography is a conspiracy etc etc but of course you know presumably they're also consuming a lot of this stuff as well i think it's just very confused i mean you have to remember that the age group you know the age profile is kind of late teens early 20s like so they're young men who are still you know figuring out life. figuring out yeah mm-hmm. figuring out their identity and I suppose unlike you know uh, young teenagers or or, or or young adults who are out in the world kind of experimenting and getting it wrong and experiencing rejection and then picking themselves back up and trying again and you know, figuring out how you do all this because it's not just men I mean obviously women are experiencing rejection as they grow up as well um but they're missing out on all of that experience yeah. you know all of that kind of 
character building experience. But it is like we have to learn how to deal with rejection in in healthy ways. But well, then is there a gender thing in that of like, is there are female incels a thing? Like, are they getting really bitter at rejection and turning into incels? I mean, there are female incels. There's kind of small subgroups, but they're really not associated with this community. Um, And no, I mean, we don't really see there's, you know, I haven't studied female incels now personally as as a as a phenomenon, but you know, from what I've seen uh, from those who do, it's not violent. It doesn't. It's it's not a community that expresses violent ideation. It's not fueled by hate or resentment. It's more, I think, more kind of a, a sense of solidarity and community uh, more than anything else. But it's minuscule compared to, yeah, you know, the the, the male incel community. Okay, okay. And then so like like you're saying these are like a lot of the time young young boys do what are the options for like getting out of it? Do they just kind of happen upon information that kind of pulls them out? Or do they grow out of it? Like where how do you how do they rescue themselves? Well, I think one of the the key insights into trying to figure this out is to look at the testimonies of ex incels and to look at, you know, subreddits in particular like ex incels subreddits because they they kind of give you all the clues um about what it is that kind of made them leave and also then in hindsight what they think was going on you know why they got into it and also why it was so appealing and a lot of them talk about you know obviously there's the sense of solidarity there's a sense of community you feel like you belong somewhere and you're probably somebody who never felt any sense of belonging um and so there's that and then you have the kind of internal psychodynamics of these communities where you're uh, you know if you're posting quite extreme content and you're really kind of snarky and smart and uh you post great memes or you you know you kind of push the envelope it's a kind of circle jerk phenomenon you know you get rewarded they call it karma whoring um you know, you get lots of attention, basically, you get lots of positive feedback. Um, so it's just a darker version of, of the more mainstream stuff that, you know, other people, other young people are doing maybe on Instagram or whatever. All those same, you know, dopamine hits are, are, are going on there too. Um, but I think you have to look at, you know, what, what characterizes members of the community. So, you know, these are guys who, if you go back, you know, if you kind of go right back, don't fit into heteronormative ideals of masculinity. They're not physically strong. Uh, they're not popular. And they're not successful with, with girls in, in school. So, you know, they would not have been good at sport. All of those things that, you know, are still hugely valued in terms of um, mainstream acceptable masculinity. So that's like where the problem really starts, if you like, is back there. So, you know, they they become isolated um, and kind of sidelined uh, because of this. So they become very easily socially isolated. Um, many of them have a history of being bullied um, when they were young, um, you know, because of, of, of not adhering to masculine norms. And then, as I say, a lot of them self-identify as neuroatypical. And that's not to suggest that there's any kind of, you know, causal link between neuroatypicality and incel identity and then, by extension, you know, violent behaviour. Yeah, of course. Uh, it's, yeah. it's just that because they, you know, it's that link really between socialized uh, social isolation and again this is you know they're self-identifying there's no way for us as researchers to find out to what extent this is actually accurate if there is a diagnosis there or whatever but it's something that they do talk more and more openly about I found on, on their threads okay and so if you add those kind of factors together with then the fact that they're not out in the world kind of observing you know, the actual messy reality of relationships and the fact that actually not everybody that you see in a couple is, you know, uh, with their looks match, as they would say, you okay. know, yeah, yeah, loads, yeah. Of, loads of people <laughs> go out with somebody who's better looking than them or 
you know, less good looking than them or whatever. And it doesn't really um, matter to most people. Like it's personality exactly. more than anything. Exactly. And also, you know, they would dispute that there's, uh, you know, that attraction is subjective. So for vast majority of people, we see attraction as subjective. I find somebody really like physically attractive. The next person doesn't. Uh, they would reject that because they say it's all biologically kind of ordained. You're either in this category or you're not. And it's, it's objective. Um, but, you know, none of this is based on any kind of Reality. experience. Yeah. yeah. So when you're, you're not, you're at home, you're in your room, you're on your computer all the time, you're playing games. You're, you're not actually out there observing any of this. So it's, it's easier for, for you know, half-baked theories uh, and archetypes yeah. to make sense. It makes sense of the world. And it also puts a kind of order on the world. If you're feeling confused and in a state of chaos or maybe you're in some kind of crisis to do with other things that are going on in your life, a lot of these theories put a kind of order yeah, a it's a reason and especially the genetic thing it's like oh it's not your fault then exactly. it's something that you can't control so yeah you could see why people would find that you know a satisfying thing if you're in a moment of crisis but I wonder like do some of them then you know they might get into it because of those reasons and, and feel like okay I need to understand what's going on but then do they get a bit of a shock when a violent incident happens? So sometimes incels have gone on to commit mass murder. Um, again, not all of them, but like you said, it's hard to figure out which ones will do it and everything else. Um, and some of them have left their manifestos behind, just ranting away. Um, like, does that shock some of them or does it embolden them? I can imagine that like chat rooms and stuff are like on fire after events like this. Yeah, and it's very hard to tell often because a lot of it is so deeply ironic. Um, so sometimes what seems like a kind of hagiography to Roger Elliot or whatever is is kind of tongue-in-cheek maybe. You're not really sure if it's sincere. Um, so you do have, and you've got a lot of venting. You know, it's, it's violent ideation. So you've got a lot of, yeah, you know, he's the supreme gentleman. You've got thousands of memes kind of eulogizing him. Uh, to, you know, even to go ER means to go out and commit uh, a mass shooting to go Elliot Roger. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the, all of the chat rooms light up uh, around this kind of stuff. But there is also, as you see, uh, among many incels, a desire to kind of distance themselves from it. They will say that they don't condone violence. Um, and, you know, uh, as I've uh, pointed out before, they're often at pains to point out that they're not violent um, and that it is, in fact, alphas who are violent mm -hmm. towards women. And, you know, there is truth in that because yeah, if you look sure. at, you know, you look at the number of people who've been killed um in incel related attacks and again it's even difficult to prove sometimes it depends you know how how what criteria you apply was it an alt-right motivated attack or was it a an incel related attack or or, or 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 something else you know going on there it's usually a combination of a lot of different kind of factors but like if you look at the statistics um you know to do with uh everyday violence that is committed by what they would consider to be alphas or, or normies. Um, like a, a woman is killed in the UK every three days. Um, 90,000 women are murdered every year by men and 36% of those are by a partner, a male partner or a male member of their own fa family. It's 137 women killed every day by a man that they know. You know, it, the, the, it puts it into context yeah. and they're often at pains sure. themselves to point this out like we're not violent Ch uh, chads are violent alpha males are violent and that's why we're so unlucky sexually because women are attracted to violent men they talk about this again they derive a lot of this stuff from psychology and are quite uh, preoccupied with this notion of of psychopathic personality profiles so they talk about the dark triad as a personality type, which is psychopathic, narcissistic. Oh, Machiavellian, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but they think that according to their theories, women are attracted to that. They're not attracted to non-violent, you know, non-physical men like 
in cells. So it's like so it's a nice really complicated, guy last kind of thing. Yeah, it's a really complicated relationship mm-hmm. and under, relationship with an understanding of violence um, that they have. And of course, you know, you're reading through the kind of arguments. You go, well, yeah, actually, that is true. The vast majority of violence is perpetrated by men who they would consider to be alphas or betas. You know, so there's a point in that. Yeah, there is a point. It's not straightforward. Um, and yet, then the you know the things that they say and the kind of fantasies that they express about what they will do to this woman. You know, around really simple things like um, there was a a thread recently on uh, insults.is, uh, and they somebody had taken um you know, like a, a, a thread from another site, Yahoo or something like this, some mainstream space, a woman uh, was, the young woman was talking about, you know, her experience of isolation in, in COVID and lockdown and how she hadn't had a hug for 10 weeks. And, um, you know, they all just ripped her to shreds. Uh, now, not directly, because this is just an excerpt. So did she ever see this? I don't know. But you know, they all went to town on this. Like, imagine, you know, uh, Stacy hasn't had a, a hug for 10 weeks, you know. Yeah, boo, to, boo, imagine boo, what it's like, of, boohoo, yeah. like, you know, compare that with your whole life, or I haven't had a hug yeah. for... And so some some parts of the, you know, some comments on this thread are incredibly sad. Um, and it's like, so, but some of them may, maybe aren't sincere. But if they are sincere, they're incredibly sad because it's yeah. like the last time I had a hug was from my mom. That was about five years ago. Nobody has ever hugged me since. Um, and I can't imagine how amazing it would feel, et cetera, et cetera. So really sad That's, stuff. But in yeah, between, really sad. it's really sad. But in between all of that, then there's this like horrendous kind of commentary, which is, you know, um, I won't repeat it, but, you know, what I would do to that woman. Oh, okay. um, yeah. do you know she deserves this and she deserves that and so you know really kind of horrific stuff and so this is what you see on the threads all the time is this mixture of really extreme misogynistic kind of revenge fantasy stuff and then deep deep sadness and loneliness and isolation so even just researching it is quite emotionally conflicting yeah, a bit of a roller coaster. It there. is, yeah. Because you you can't yeah. have empathy for someone who's so desperate for human connection, I suppose, and kindness. But on the other hand, you know, if that fears into entitlement and violence and misogyny, well, then obviously that's very different emotions towards them. Exactly. And then going back to to your question, then is like the the kind of how do, how do they get out? How do they exit? Um, very often it is precisely they have a kind of an intimacy breakthrough I think um a woman reaches out to them or they they talk to a woman and she turns out not to be a narcissistic you know gold digging hypergamous uh Stacy or whatever she just turns out to be kind of cool and nice and you know they kind of it, it subverts all of the the myths that they've been uh, immersed in um and i think that's the key it's it's not even sex necessarily or sexual attraction there's just this kind of intimacy breakthrough that happens and yeah that seems to Human be really connection. key yeah, yeah. just a, some kind of connection that this person is oh right she's a woman she's and she becomes humanized okay. because a lot of the discourse as well is about dehumanizing mm. women um women aren't really seen as human in the discourse at all they're they're called femoids or foids and those are the nice terms that they use (laughs) you know compared to to cum dumpsters and and whatever else so um you know the the terminology is hugely important as well because it's constantly reiterating this kind of dehumanization yeah Uh, either women are mythical kind of caricatures it's always caricatures yeah, um, absolutely. Like gigantic kind of breasts and yeah. huge hair and like a porn star type exactly. ideal or something. They're but- monstrous caricatures of femininity. And you have to really meet and talk to a real woman, I suppose, for, you know, for all of this to suddenly collapse uh, into dust. And you kind of go, OK, right, this is this is a person. Mm-hmm. She's nice. She's straightforward. She's she's a human. 
Um, so yeah, intimacy and the kind of rehumanization in the mind of of what a woman is, I think, probably key okay. to exiting. But that's it's a lot of pressure on a woman that comes into their lives. But can they find connection through like a club or like some kind of healthy group that isn't a bunch of misogynistic, you know, assholes on the Internet? Like if they were able to join even not necessarily a sports club, because obviously they have strong ideas around sports and stuff. But like, I don't know, a chess club, I don't know, some kind of picking up litter club what it, whatever happens what? to be and find human connection that way I guess in theory but you know and, and many of them would be part of kind of gamer uh communities um there there is a you know among the the kind of less fatalistic factions of the insult community there are those who do go to the gym um they call it you know they call it gym maxing um uh, so they, you know, they're still invested in the idea that you can maybe work out to improve your physique. Um, sometimes they advocate doing exercises to improve the jawline. They're really obsessed with this idea of the jawline and that the alpha male has this incredibly strong square jaw. And that's what women are, you know, genetically hardwired to be attracted to. So the jawline becomes kind of obsession. And there's all these kind of pseudoscientific profile diagrams showing you know there's two kind of three millimeters between chad and then a life of absolute fatalistic despair um yeah it comes down to very specific things you know you think it would be penis size and it is penis size as well and sometimes they advocate all kinds of penis stretching exercises i think it's called jelking um mewing is is a an exercise to try and strengthen the jawline by keeping the tongue on the roof of the mouth all the time uh, going to the gym take steroids is quite a big thing as well um so you know there is that but it's not really i don't know how healthy it is um i guess it's certainly healthier than than you know the fatalistic kind of giving yeah, up they might be more um, able to, to be reached maybe if they're trying to work on themselves maybe there's some potential but yeah that's it's a scary you see, world. they're critical yeah. and they're rightly critical obviously of, of a world that is so completely dominated by looks mm. um and and as they see it a very narcissistic culture over there on the feminized platforms of instagram and, and facebook which they hate um which is you know all all about kind of women showing themselves off and you know, sex, these sexually successful people that they feel so resentful about. But, you know, there is a, there is a, a valid critique, you know, in, in their ideas about lookism and how, and yet this is paradoxical because on the one hand, they're saying this is, you know, uh, a cultural thing. But on the other hand, they're also saying it's biologically ordained. It's a bit like blaming feminism for the fact that women ride the cock carousel and have you know complete reproductive freedom and yet on the other hand all of this is you know is predetermined by evolutionary psychology so it's it's like kind of a little bit of one theory mashed with another theory and mashed into something else to make some sort of kind of logical sounding but also really not yeah like like it doesn't stand up to much you know scrutiny as a theory it doesn't no but like i mean somebody as as high profile as jordan peterson gets away with it you know he does he does oh yeah that's he's his own podcast for another day on that one Mm. but i think there's there's a lot more here and i think um you know just as we're coming up to time i think we definitely need to have you back on because i think it's it's just it's a really interesting area that you know I, i think not a lot of people know about as such but they probably maybe know someone in their lives that is experiencing you know maybe tendencies towards that so I think and the media stokes it up obviously as well in very sensationalist terms sometimes so I think there's a a bigger conversation to start with there but um that's we're just coming up to time there and where can people find you if they want to learn more about your work in this area you do publish a, a lot around this kind of content you know my my email is on my um tcu profile so you know they can they can find me there i don't have a a, a blog uh or or a personal website but i have a professional 
profile there. So okay, fantastic. You can contact me by by my email. And you do you do conferences on this kind of topic from time to time? Yeah, I mean, I've done several um, podcasts and interviews, radio interviews, and stuff like that. So uh, perfect. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a few people working in this space at the moment, and it's really interesting. I think because we're coming at it from different kind of perspectives I'm coming at it from a media studies and a gender studies perspective and then you've got people who are working out of kind of law and security um looking at it through the terrorism is this a terrorist threat and how do you define terrorism um incels um and then you've other people looking at it kind of from the point of view of male supremacists, other male supremacist groups, and then the overlap between male supremacy and white supremacy. So there's different kind of angles um, going on there, which I think are kind of quite mutually compatible, increasingly kind of working together. Mm. Um, that's good. Yeah, well, that's how we build on this kind of knowledge. And, and again, like you said, hearing from those who have been there and, you know, are talking about why they got into it as well is really important so yeah I mean I should yeah. also mention my PhD student Shane Murphy who's doing really excellent work and very unusually is going out and interviewing members of the incel community as well as mm-hmm. former incels but he's actually interviewing current members of the incel community so I don't think anybody oh, else I mean Nama Cates has done that and she does that obviously on her um on her on her blog um you know that's not really in the academic space as such it's in a much more kind of um general space and and it's really really brilliant and and interesting um but yeah what Shane's doing is really interesting in that he's uh, in an academic context yeah We'll have him on the podcast when he is yeah. officially Dr. Shane and he's all done, dusted. So, that, yeah, that's that would be incredible Brilliant. research to, to have a listen to. So um, fantastic. Listen, thanks, Emil, Debbie, for your time today. And I hope people do reach out and learn a lot more about it, because I think it's just such a huge area just to have um, a deep dive into. So thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Caroline. Thanks for having me on. And thanks, Mill, to all my listeners. As always, if you want to reach out to the podcast, the Instagram and Twitter is at Glow West Podcast. And I'll chat to you next week.